Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Before we start, can we ask one thing? 74% of you that watch this channel frequently do not subscribe. If you've enjoyed our videos, please could you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button? It helps this channel more than you know, and the bigger the channel gets, the bigger the learning gets. Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Jonathan Herbs is the host of the Business Focus Podcast. He is a strategic advisor, coach, and mentor to entrepreneurial business owners, CEOs, and senior executives. In this podcast, he chats with entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs of scaling companies. It centers around their entrepreneurial journey so far and their aspirations for their companies. So today, it's my great pleasure to introduce Ken Lang. And Ken is the founder and CEO of the Future Wellness Group. Hi, Ken. Hey, how are you? Very, very well. Welcome, and thanks for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me, Jonathan. So why don't we just kick off by asking, um, what do you do and, and how long have you been doing it for? Okay, I'm the founder and CEO of Future Wellness Group. Uh, we're a software development company in health tech, and we built a software called LifeCheck. We've been doing LifeCheck for about the last five years, and um, it's a 27-question, takes about 90-second assessment to predict uh, the likelihood of you developing a chronic condition like diabetes, heart attack, stroke. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. Okay. And so um, what about me who's a type 2 di- diabetic? You know, I've already got it. So, I mean, uh, how does how does it work you know, with people at different stages of life? So there are 27 questions and they cover your family history, your personal health history, your lifestyle choices, and your state of mind. So lifestyle choices will include nutrition, sleep, alcohol, smoking, uh, water levels, um, sun, exercise. Family history, of course, is based on uh, immediate family with any of the conditions such as diabetes. And um, the the software predicts, sorry, takes all that data, looks for patterns and trends based on the having trained the algorithms to do so, and then makes a prediction, uh, expresses a percentage likelihood of you developing a chronic condition. So it weights every question other than the mindfulness ones, and we'll get to that later. But obviously age, ethnicity, gender, family history, and your lifestyle choices play the biggest impact on developing one of these conditions. So... Okay, so I've done the survey. What happens then? Well, once you've done the survey and a practitioner, a human person actually looks at each of these reports and makes some comments. Um, if there's a serious issue, so the scale is from low to high. If if you're sitting in the moderate category, depending on your age, then it'll be a care and maintenance. Make sure you keep doing what you're doing. If there are areas where you're not exercising enough, you've got too much weight, the practitioners make some positive comments about you may wish to look at your nutrition. You may wish to review some of your lifestyle choices. It doesn't say stop drinking, stop smoking, and um, because it's supposed to be positive. It's supposed to get people to understand what their lifestyle choices are doing to their body. And we often say we're all going to live longer, but we want to have a quality of life. We just don't want to take longer to die. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. So, um, sorry, brutally honest. How do I? Um, how do you make a buck out of this? You sell it. 
So you go to an organization or you go to a practitioner or you go to an individual and you say that this is for your clients or for yourself. You We charge per employee test or per, per, per test rather than per person. And um, the biggest expense we have, of course, is the practitioner. Software looks after itself, really. So that's how we make money. Okay. So it's a... It's a assess um, software as a service. It is. It is. The, and in your particular case, and uh, we won't get into those circumstances, but a lot of people tend to look at it and go, well, there's a pill I can take for uh, for that. Well, we, we have to get out of that mentality. You know, all, all pharmaceuticals, that they make poison. That's, that's how they actually work in your system. We want to get to the people that are pre that, that can actually take some steps to stop um, getting it or reverse some of the effects of it. Right. Okay. Um, great. Thank you for that. So who would you describe as your call, your best best customer? The best customers are the organizations or the practitioners that really wish to care about their clients or their uh, employees and staff. There's so much white noise out there in this business that people are out there just to make a dollar. We actually want to help. There's also many organizations that will simply tick the box for the ES&G requirements, but we want people to actually care for their employees because they're their greatest asset. They can't roll their eyes when they hear that, oh, so-and-so is upset. Well, why are they upset? What's the, what's the atmosphere like in the organization? They Employees now get some 40 days a year off in terms of various leave applications. If we can reduce sick leave by a couple of days, then they've already paid for the service. Okay. So um, so it's not just medical practitioners. It's, it's, it could be any CEO out there. The any organisation, uh, and particularly in these days when it's difficult to get staff, it's difficult to retain staff. Staff don't want to travel. So if they are prepared to travel, you need to look after them. You need to educate them. And this is part of the education. Great. Great initiative. Okay, so um, you're a software software company at your heart. So we've all been through the pandemic. Um, what are some of the things that um, you um, executed or implemented in the pandemic that have stayed with the organisation going forward? The pandemic uh, exposed the fragility of the health system, both in Australia and globally. Never before in our lifetime anyway have uh, health workers been subjected to catching the same disease or yeah. same condition as prevalently as they were yeah, under the pandemic. So therefore, it means we have to take, as an individual, you have to take more responsibility for your well-being and your lifestyle choices. You can't rely on the health system because it just may not be there. You don't really want to be parked in an ambulance outside a hospital because you happen to be the 101st patient and they can only take 100. Um, it also... Prior to the pandemic, life check was principally a looking at physical markets. Uh, the pandemic introduced the, the the mental health of people as being a major factor, and of course, part of mental health is your physical well-being. If you feel better, then mentally you'll feel better. So we expanded life check to include mental health questions and and specifically around COVID whether you'd had COVID or not, because of the long-term effects. Um, it, 
it really zeroed us in on how the we have to look at the importance of our health and expanding our roadmap to include other platforms that may have a larger degree or a better degree of predictability in various areas. So they've stayed with us for the last three or four years. Okay. Uh, what about um, internally within your own company, Ken? Um, are you a remote company? You know, how does it all work? We, we are a hybrid company, um, and so we weren't so adversely affected. Um, we were very conscious of, of health and family. So, you know, we, we decided during the pandemic, uh, part, I, was, I wasn't on my own in repainting the house. But I said to the staff, we're rebuilding the software. Everybody gets paid, um, but you need to take some time off, be with the family, particularly the people in Melbourne. Uh, having been, you were locked down for 429 days. And I still see the effects of that, uh, that lockdown on people's mental health. So um, we, we took it very seriously and uh, took care of, that was the primary, take care of the family. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very good, very good point. Um, so, what does the future look like for for the future wellness group, and what do you see as some of the, your main challenges going forward? The main challenge is, is, as I mentioned, I don't think we would survive another pandemic particularly well, and so the main challenge is getting people to really, as I've said before, getting people to understand what their life choices will do to their future health, understand what that extra glass of wine does, uh, educate people um, where they wish to be educated to to take a, a step back and look at what they're doing and say, well, um, I'm only this age, but I want to live and I want to have a better quality of life rather than going, hey, well, that's in 10 years' time. I don't need to worry about that. So that's really our biggest challenge. Um, I think there is a need for a gold standard in health, and I think we'd like to be that gold standard. So as you can use, you have that little ticket that says, My, I, have a, I have a rating of X within with Future Wellness Group, and that's accepted by your bank, by your insurance company, by any number of organizations as a, as a ticket to better quality and more advancement. Um, if it's not us, it, I think it has to be something else. It's got to be um, pushed by the government as well. They're starting to do that. Um, they take a long time to do anything. But I think they're already recognising that their health system is has been very challenged over these past couple of years. Very much so. Very much so. So stepping back now and thinking about um, your time as, as a business owner, um, what's been your biggest learning, do you think, as, as, as a business owner? I love that expression that perfection is the enemy of good enough. And when you're dealing with software engineers, um, dealing with any anybody that's an engineer that, that really won't let anything out of their hand until it's perfect, then that's that's always been a, a challenge and something that I need to look at. Look at. The second thing is, you have to have enough money in the business to get the product to market. So whenever you start the idea to when you've got the market, get to the product finished or service, you've got to be able to cover that. You then have to have at least another 12 months worth of runway 
before you're actually going to be to profitability. So cash flow is is very important. Uh, and so many good ideas have died on the withered on the vine because there just wasn't enough money to keep it going. So that really is uh, important. And, and that goes on that it doesn't matter how much planning you do. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. The sales cycle will always take twice as long as you ever thought. Because what you can't what you can't factor into this is people's decision time. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're talking about the next iPhone that you know that there's going to be X number of people that will always buy the next iPhone. You've got to deal with people and you've got to you're introducing potentially a new idea to these people, which means that it takes time to get on their radar for them to actually look at it. So uh, that's important. And finally, I think true success in business is after you have built a business and sold it multiple times. So if you've got a if you've got a track record of building, selling, moving on, then I think that's true success. And I applaud people that have done that. It's some, some fabulous points in there. Oh, it's interesting your, your point about the, the iPhone, of course. You know, when that was um, uh, initially launched, um, that was a major, you know, Apple had been in the doldrums for many years at that stage. Um, so it was a, um, uh, in itself, you know, it's got the reputation now at the time. Um, it was a huge chance. Oh, it was. It yeah. was. Um, um, I also remember a story. I was at a, the launch of Bill Gates was out here launching the new Windows product many years ago. And when standing on stage at the opera house, push the button and it didn't work. <laughs> so I don't know who lost their job about that, but I mean, Windows was still a success, isn't it? Exactly right. Yeah, one of the um, the case studies I talk about is is in fact Apple. You know, and um, uh, as Steve Jobs used to say, you know, it's amazing how overnight success takes so long to get there. And in Apple's case, it was twenty five years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some really, really good points in there. Tell me, when you think about the word successful, um, who's the first person that comes to mind? And can you tell me why? First person that comes to mind is my childhood school friend. He built a fire protection business here in Sydney from scratch. To the point now, it's got 400 employees. He's been married to the same woman for 45 years. He's got a wonderful family. He's building a family dynasty. And he's down to, he's just the nicest person and the most genuine person I know. So when I think of success, that's who I, that's who I want to emulate. Do you want to name him? Yeah, Gordon Stalley, Premier Fire Control. Fabulous. Make sure he, he listens to, the, uh, to this podcast. I shall. He ne- may never speak to me again. <laughs> but also my humble. He's probably the most humble person I know as well. So he definitely won't be talking to me for a while. <laughs> but it's a very good point, you know. You know a lot of people will, will say Elon Musk. Um, I mean, this is actually my favourite question um, of, of the uh, the podcast series, and because we get get this such a diverse range of um, of answers, mm-hmm. and um, and hearing you know stories of yeah you know, humble, quiet success stories, and as you say, forty five years of marriage and family, and you know it's um. Uh, or the stories where you know, my interviewees talk about their mum, their dad, their auntie, their grandma, um, their brother. Um, 
It's such. It's one of, as I said, it's one of the uh, my favorite questions in, in, in the. Shouldn't look too far for success because success is. Elon Musk is. He may have had. He's been very successful and, and he's he's done well. What's the cost been though? You know, where have people lost out? So, and I don't know, but there's always two sides to a story. There's always that darker side. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I would be wary. Maybe it's age as well. I'd be wary to push the um, the business icons just because they're in the press more than other people. Mm. No, it's a very, it's a very fair point. So, are you a reader? Um, listen to podcasts? Any books, podcasts? Or- well, actually, yes, I do. And I look at books that are a bit is a bit differently. I look at some of the history books as where I take um, where I take a different view. And my favourite books are The Scramble for Africa, written by a guy called Thomas Pakenham, that shows how uh, in the late 19th century, the European countries basically obliterated, carved up Africa to the detriment of the indigenous population. Um, and I just wanted to see the interaction between governments and how they sold countries. They just carved up blocks of dirt and gave it away that they had no right to it. Mm. The second book is is by a guy called Paul Collins. It's called Burn. And it it um, uh, it documents the bushfires we've had here in Australia and the inaction by various governments to, to implement things that should have been implemented that date back to the 1930s. And again, I look at the way governments work. So when, you know, if you've got back in the day, if you had the government as a client, they were, they were, it was a gold ticket. Uh, and yet, look what the Victorian government did to the Commonwealth Games—just tore up the comp. So, and the third one is by a guy called Bernard Cornwell on the Battle of Waterloo, and it was how multiple countries came together, despite their differences, to uh, beat a common enemy, and uh, just the interactions and how circumstances it just happened to put the English and the Prussians in the right place at the right time. They had they had nothing to do with it. They just happened to be in the right place. So and um, so Napoleon, in my mind, didn't make any wrong decisions. He just didn't have luck on his side. It, and it's you know fascinating. Um, one of my key thought leaders is a guy called Jim Collins. Uh, he wrote a, 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 a number of fabulous books, um, good to great, built to last, etc. And he talks about return on luck. You know, how do you position yourself? Yeah, in the in the in 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 our case, in the in the, in the uh, form of business, how do you position yourself to generate your own luck? Mm. Mm. What was the, what was one of the one of the generals? I can't remember who it was. Might have been might have been um, Wellington. He said, "Don't uh, I want the lucky generals, not the experienced ones." You know, like I might have the wrong guy, but that was the yeah. I want the lucky ones. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, you, you talk about them called after the Carnival Life, guys with half my school life, you know, with one of his novels underneath the desk at the back of the room. Oh, yes, yes. It, uh, having read many of his um, his ones, it's uh, he's a great author. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, so any last piece of advice for entrepreneurs who are aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Um, you mentioned Steve Jobs, and I think that that's, uh, that put me on the point for entrepreneurs, for founders, for just about anybody, your health is your greatest asset. Because look at Kerry Packer, look at Steve. It didn't matter how rich they were, 
they couldn't cheat death. Yeah. And they couldn't cheat the inequality of life that they had. So we all have to be more conscious of our of our health and what we're doing to ourselves. We put ourselves, founders put ourselves under all sorts of strain because we want to do it, but it can't be to the detriment of our body. Uh, we owe that to our family, to our friends, to our stakeholders, to anybody else that we're working with. So, you know, I implore people, as I said, do a life check. Just, just find, get a baseline in there. Uh, understand what your life choices are doing to yourself. Really good advice. And so that leads me to the um, uh, your made a very fine offer to our listeners. Yes, look, I don't have, I can make I can provide you with the link to Life Check. Yep. Do the test. Do the test. It's all anonymous. It's uh, you'll get an individualized and personalized comments on it. Um, and uh, and the, we have to start as soon as we can. We have people have to start their journey to wellness. And as we get older, it just becomes harder because we become less inclined to start because it's harder to do. And as you are, as you are right. talking about... Uh... Exactly. And with, uh, you know, yourself, you want to be around for your grandchildren. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. So I'm going to be happy to work. work. But it's a, it's a really good point because uh, as you and I were talking, you know, um, my nine-year-old son and I both managed to take a fall at rugby practice not long ago and... Yeah, he fractured his ankylized brain mind, so we're both running around on the at the moment looking up. But the nine-year-old will bounce back in two weeks. I'll be fine. It's actually it's me, it's the issue. That's right. Ah, 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 yeah, exactly. Ben, thank you so much. Pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care now. Bye-bye. If you were hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you watch slash listen. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to admin at scaleupgrowth.co. Put be a guest in the subject line and tell me a little about yourself. If you want to gauge where your business growth potential is and identify where the biggest opportunities in your business lie or where the key needs that you need to concentrate on right now are, take our assessment where you will receive personalized advice for improvement. It's quick and free. Go to scaleupgrowth.scoreapp.com. If you would like to work with me one-to-one, I love coaching and get the best outcomes that way. Send me an email to jonathan at scaleupgrowth.co and put one-to-one in the heading. Tell me a bit about your business and let's see how we can apply a great strategy for your business. So that's it for this week. Tune in next time for more great learnings from a scaling entrepreneur.